My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Creative Grapevine. Hey, before we get into today's show, I just wanted to make that simple request once again that you leave us a review. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts, or you can leave it on ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Again, that is ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by my friend and fellow podcaster and just fellow creative in general, Jen Hall. Now, Jen is fantastic. I've known her for a little bit now, and I've always known that she was into photography, but today we dive really deep into that, and it's a fantastic conversation. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Jen Hall, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I'm very delighted to have you here because I don't know if you remember this or not, but I actually asked you when I first started doing the podcast if you would be on the show. And we never like we never found a time and then I left for school and I wasn't equipped at that time to do remote recordings. Fortunately, now I am uh, because all of my recordings are remote. Um, and and so now after almost two and a half years of, of thinking, I should have Jen on the show. I finally have you on the podcast. So uh, with that, I start off every episode with how we know each other. So would you mind filling in the audience if there's a specific uh, moment you remember us meeting, um, or if it's just like a general, this is how we met. Uh, we met through one of the local Calgary Calgary YouTube creators meetups. Which one specifically it was? I feel like it was one. It was. It was uh, I don't. Don't. I don't remember the name of the pub or restaurant, but it's an upstairs pub or restaurant. Uh, I think was the first time. Um, that or that. Uh, that was definitely the one where you talked about your podcast. Yeah. So I remember. I think I know the pub you're talking about. It's the doors like on a corner, and you have to go right up the stairs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that. I think that was probably the time when we interacted the most and like got talking the most. But I do remember um, there was an earlier time when we met. Um, it was at one of the, when the community was smaller, when it was like me, you, Matt, and Kyle. Like it was way way smaller yeah um and i don't i don't remember a specific moment or anything i just r remember i'm like oh i i know who jen hall is but I, I didn't know anything about you um and our interactions were very very minimal um but yeah that's that's how we know each other so um for my sake because i actually don't know that much about you um despite knowing you for a little while now um, so why don't you fill me in? Where are you from originally? Uh, so currently I am in Calgary, Alberta, and where I was raised was north of here. So about a nine hour drive north, because this is how we explain distance <laughs> in Alberta. Nine hours north uh, in a small town, Sexsmith, Alberta. Um, locals are a little more familiar with the neighboring city, Grand Prairie. Um, 
but it's a farming community. Um, apparently, at at what point it was considered the grain capital of the world, which is a pretty major statement for a tiny little town. Um, and at some point, it was predicted to be uh, the the place that would grow into a city. So it it, it at some point was going to be the Grand Prairie. Um, but uh, I don't know what shifted. <laughs> Maybe people didn't want a large city named Sexsmith because uh, that that naming is awkward for some. But yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Grew up in, in Sexsmith, Alberta. Beautiful area to be raised. Um, yeah, a lot of agriculture and oil and gas is up there. So you know, when I got old enough, I went eh, eh, not interested in oil and gas. My parents weren't farmers, so I had no no uh, leg in that game. So I moved <laughs> to big city Calgary. So how how old were you when you came to Calgary then? Yeah, about twenty, because I had done a two year diploma in marketing in the local college, and um, took a year off, worked full time at a local paint shop. And then just decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Calgary. I, I had a friend, my best friend growing up, was already in Calgary at the art college. And I thought, well, that's a safe way to move, <laughs> knowing somebody already, uh, somebody that I grew up with to introduce me to a new city. And that's how I ended up in Calgary. <laughs> Interesting. So... So you you come to a, a new city. What were what were your first impressions of 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 Calgary, of being here? Mm, it was it was overwhelming. Uh, the I, I definitely had to grieve the ability to be in an in an open empty space. Uh, that that is the one benefit of being in a very small town uh, with a lot of farming fields. Is if you want to be alone, it doesn't take very long of a walk to be completely isolated and be in your own space. And there is definitely some times where you know I was trying to deal with you know uh, new friendships and, and and stresses and my my coping mechanism prior would be just, you know, go for a walk, sit in a field, be with yourself. Uh, and there's a couple of times where I thought, I don't know where, I don't know what to, where to manage my feelings. Like, even if I go for a drive, I'm going to end up in what, a parking lot where people can still see me. Um, since then, clearly, I've figured out you can just go into a room and close the door uh, or not live with six roommates <laughs> to help that problem. Um, but yeah, it was a little overwhelming. Definitely took a while to get gain adaptation to homeless population um, because I really didn't have to see that in my small town and barely even in Grand Prairie um, because, you know, everyone drove everywhere and, and you didn't really have to walk by and face people living on the street and uh, dealing with addictions, or at least maybe I just didn't notice them for the time I was back up North, but uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the biggest thing, but I was definitely excited. Little details like there's a, you could, if you want to listen to the blues, you can go to a place that plays blues music 
any night of the week, pretty much, or jazz, or whatever, whatever your flavor is. It's just so fascinating. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Huh. So, so obviously you're interested in arts. You you did uh, some marketing, and and that was something that you were excited about when you got to Calgary. Um, I'm curious, what um, growing up in a small town, what was your exposure like to uh, the wider artistic world? Uh, very fortunately, my my dad's brother, so my uncle and aunt, um, are full time artists, successful artists, and their work is a little bit. Um, conversational kind of stuff. My uncle does realist painters, uh, realist painters, realist paintings, um, where, you know, he'll take a, a group of, or at least one series of his work at the time when I was growing up was he'd take a series of objects um, from another person, a friend or, or somebody he's spoken to, group them together and then paint it. Uh, in, in the mix of objects could be anything and everything. My favorite of, of the series was a collection of items from the uh, Calgary Olympics back in the 80s. Uh, but there were others where, it, you know, there would be racier objects in the paintings, that sort of thing. And then his, my aunt, her series of work, it's, now it's it's pretty low-key um, landscape paintings of the Okanagan, but she did a series of work of naked men uh, and nobody blinked any eyes or, or, or acted like that was weird or special when we would visit them. So I, I, I was exposed to art and it was normalized. Uh, so I think that's why I left I think that's why I left uh, Northern Alberta because I went, well, all of this art, it's landscapes and moose and I don't know. It was just kind of pretty conservative art sort of thing. I'm like, no, I know there's more interesting work out there. <laughs> that's interesting. So you had been exposed through, through some of your family, um, which is awesome. And then did you have... Um, did you have a moment where you, you realized you wanted to, to move in that direction and, and go and find it elsewhere? Nothing, nothing that stands out. It was, it was sort of a gradual thing. To be honest, my parents are entrepreneurs. They ran a small shop in our um, town and I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to play it safe. And that's why I went into marketing, not realizing that marketing wasn't uh, the part where you create stuff. It's the deciding what your audience is and what to show them to get them to uh, spend money with your business. Um, so it, it was sort of this like slow realization. I know growing up, I was always uh, interested, like I loved going into art class. My uncle gave us a pirated version of Corel Draw. I don't know how many people will recognize what that is, but it is sort of like first iteration of, of illustrator kind of idea. Um, and I always loved making posters, designing posters in there, but I didn't really register that as, oh, this is what I should be doing. I just thought this was fun. Um, and then when I was studying marketing, I took a photography class, got a C minus, 
but on my own time took pictures with a point and shoot like one of the first iterations of a digital camera uh, at um, a bar that had most of the music musical acts coming in the rock band sort of thing and over time grew a passion for shooting um, but again didn't think that that was something I would do it was just the hobby at the time until a friend said you should maybe consider doing that for a living once i finished the marketing diploma and didn't have good enough marks to go for a degree <laughs> so it's like haphazardously other people pointing out like you kind of like the creative stuff um and that was part of what led me to calgary because i thought ah, maybe i'll go to calgary and play with photography and and play with the marketing diploma see if i can get work in that so yeah, <laughs> it hasn't been like a very obvious knocked over the head. I need to be doing this. Um, it's it's sort of a, oh, I guess so. <laughs> over time. <laughs> Interesting. I, I mean, I think that's how things usually go, right? Like it usually tends to be like a very slow, gradual, and then you realize like, oh, I really like this. I really enjoy this. So um, then, then tell me what... What within um, within photography uh, is your favorite thing to, I guess, photograph or your favorite subject, I guess you might call it? I do like portrait work. Um, when, when I was in university, I really enjoyed a, a solid studio portrait where everything's being molded <laughs> uh, from the, the lights to what they're sitting on to, you know, you're pre-planning everything. But I thought it was really cool being able to mold the entire scene and, and take an idea and really pull out the emotion with the, you know, fr from the light to the composition to the colors you're choosing, that sort of thing. And then playing with that in Photoshop, I, I've always liked the you know both the shooting and the, the editing afterwards some people are very clearly one or the other um but i, I liked playing with both uh and, and being able to replicate some of the cool imagery i would see in magazines and online where you go, oh, I, I can make that thing that's so cool um yeah yeah i think i think portrait is is pretty amazing and being able to capture a piece of emotion is pretty interesting, but I also like still life too, you know, taking an object and uh, making that feel like the most important thing in the world, even though it could be something so, it could be, I don't know, like the lid to a bottle of pop, but you could make it the most important thing by lighting it a certain way. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's amazing. That is awesome. Uh, so then uh, if you've done all of this and you like experimenting with it, do you have uh, like a favorite picture that you've done? Like like one where you're like, I nailed it. Like I did a great job. One that stands out <laughs> and it was definitely one that pushed me on a lot of levels is it was from one of uh, the school assignments where they said, okay, uh, first, we're not going to tell you what the assignment is, but this uh, find work from your favorite photographer kind of thing. Uh, so at the time, I, I was really attracted to the work of a, a photographer named David uh, LaChapelle. So not the comedian, but 
the photographer. So, uh, anyway, so his work was very colorful and definitely had a lot of information, storytelling, uh, a bit controversial, uh, push, pushed the edge of um, uh, what the audience was seeing. You know, for example, using pop figures, celebrities to represent religious figures, that sort of idea. Um, anyhow, the, the one picture I had chosen was of uh, the, I think it was the singer Pink with a gentleman on a leash in basically a Speedo crawling on the ground. And I just thought it was really colorful, interesting. Um, imagery. So then the instructor says, okay, great. You need to recreate this. This is your assignment. You've got two weeks is to try to recreate this image. Uh, and you know what? The cards just happened to align. I managed to find uh, a male and a female that were comfortable hanging out in underwear, which, you know, like small town conservative world gen is coming I'm, I'm now taking pictures of people in underwear. I have to find somebody that's comfortable with this. So I pulled that part off, found uh, a, a backdrop that were basically had just made acquaintances with a couple guys that run a business in town that had this fantastic black brick walls that I could take advantage of. And uh, I, I brought two lights, didn't know what I was doing, and it actually turned out a uh, very similar styling to David LaChapelle's work into the state. I still think it's, it's a, a well done photograph, not my concept at all. I would never have concluded to take that image by myself, but I still, I'm still very proud that I pulled that off. <laughs> That's awesome. That's super cool. I mean, when you, when you take somebody else's work that you admire and that you respect and you're able to somehow um, figure out at least some of the elements that they used to create it. Um, I think it's a huge learning experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm um, like looking at um, your your life in in photography and in art. Is this something that that you're doing full time, or do you keep it as a hobby? Like, where are you at with uh, with your relationship to the art? still very much a passion. Uh, I, I have mixed feelings about the word hobby uh, because ho hobby, especially when it comes to the arts, uh, arts are very difficult to become a full-time professional in um, regardless. So I, I guess, you know, if we're talking about general audience layman's terms, we could call it a, a solid hobby, but you know, I, I, definitely maintain a practice, I think is the, the other way to say it. If we're talking the arts world, I maintain a practice in the photography. Um, will I ever pursue that as a full-time profession? I'm not sure that I will. I, I think that I, I create imagery in a more satisfactory way for myself if I strip out the pressures of I need to make a certain amount of money this month to pay the bills and factoring in clients' wants and needs. I think for my relationship with that art form, I like to leave it as this thing I do purely out of my own curiosity and passion. And, and I feel like the work I produce is stronger for that. And if, if, if that somehow builds into something uh, down the line, great. 
Um, but yeah, I, I like that it, I maintain it as like a, I do it when I'm curious and want to dig into different ideas, share it and strip off the pressure of income and creating any level of status with it. Hey guys, Future Alex here with that request again. If you could leave us a review, it really does help out the podcast. It helps other people hear these great stories and hear the message we have to share. So if you'd like to help us out, you can do it right while you're listening to the podcast. Just head to ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Again, that is ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Now I'll let you get back to the show. So I, I really like that word practice that you used, uh, that you said it's something you practice and it's something that, you know, um, that it's, it's not a hobby, it's a practice. It's something you work on. It's something you put effort into. And you also use the word curiosity, that you dive into it when you're curious about something. And, and so how how do you maintain that practice of something that you're you're passionate about and something that you're curious about what are the things you do to to keep practice and to keep experimenting very fortunately it doesn't take a lot uh, it's it's just one of those you know when when inspiration strikes i follow it um and this is why i won't do it professionally because professionally you should focus and push through even when you're not inspired necessarily uh, at its best. But yeah, it's just constantly, you know, and it's as simple as I'll be watching a video, seeing somebody doing an action and going, that would be interesting to play with, or even just, you know, going in it, into an antique shop, seeing a certain camera and going, I really want to play with that and see what it's like to shoot images with that in the way people used to shoot with that. <laughs> um, I have over time accumulated a bit of a collection of, of odds and ends cameras just based on that. Oh, I wonder what that's like to shoot with. And what kind of, you know, what does the world look like when and feel like when you're looking through that particular kind of lens, the little ones, the big ones, all of that. Um, it's been on pause a little bit uh, over over the pandemic, but uh, I'm part of th this new space that I'm living in is I'm very specifically having some shelving design so I can have those cameras out and be able to walk into the space and be like, yeah, today I'm gonna play with that one. And just... I think so often we we put pressure on ourselves to to fulfill a certain number and to do a certain thing and to get this done and get this done and I know what you mean um, about when when you're doing it as a you know quote unquote professional um, versus when it's just a passion when it's just something that you love that when you feel that need to go and do it that you can um, because I I know for me personally. Uh, there are some creative things that I do that have turned into work and then they become just that. Like it's something that I have to get done instead of something like I get to sit down like this show. This is just something that I love doing. And so I get to just sit down and have a conversation with somebody that I that I know. And I'm fortunate enough now to be recorded ahead of enough of time that, you know, if I want a week off, I can take a week off. But um I, you know, I, I love that, 
that it can remain a passion and a, and something that you can continue to practice and experiment with. Is there anything, um, any type of camera or any type of subject that you would just absolutely love to shoot or shoot with? The camera I want to shoot with, uh, I'm going to say I want to shoot with more because I, I, I have accumu- I have it. It's in my collection. I was very fortunate to um, have acquired it from some local photographers that uh, they've been around long enough that the this film camera, it's a Hasselblad CM. Uh, they had a number of them as their 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 full-time cameras because they shot back when it was purely film. Uh, and they had posted online, hey, we're getting rid of some of these. And, and uh, so it was a little bit of a dream camera. It's, it's sort of a medium format, a little bit of a larger camera, big film gets loaded into it. And uh, the images it has created historically are amazing. This is the same camera that ha- was used on the moon landing, if you believe that is a thing. Um, and several, you know, major magazine covers were shot on this this uh, particular camera. So, you know, I've shot it a couple times. Um, and then, you know, it's just, it's just sort of been hidden away. But uh, that, that in particular, and then having people over to shoot portraits is a goal. Once everything is settled in the space, um, I definitely want to play with that. And would you do portraits on film? Like, is that something that you would offer people? Yeah, yeah. Well, and by offer, I mean, I will never charge in its when I feel like shooting. That, that goes back to the whole, like, <laughs> right. I, I, as soon as there's money involved, then there's expectations and it affects my work. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get to a point where I'll, I'll uh, try to decide on a, a series. I think it's nice to think of, you know, a series of work, things that are similar to each other, that sort of idea and um, invite people over for those portraits. So. Yeah, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but I'm excited to do it and develop the film in the house. I've That's another thing I've been playing around with recently is I bought all of the chemicals and I've learned how to develop film in the house um, using a, uh, I don't know if you know what a, like a sous vide cooker is. It's, it's this device you stick in water and it heats up the water to an exact temperature. Typically you would put let's say a piece of steak in a plastic bag and cook it perfectly in a sous vide. You can also use this to get your, your developing uh, chemicals to an exact temperature. Cause that's the fussiest bit is making sure that they're at the right temperature when they're being mixed. <laughs> so thank goodness for YouTube videos. Uh, I, I played around with it and it works perfectly. So yeah. That is super cool. Wow. You're developing film at your place. yeah yeah that is amazing that wow good for you uh so uh i i love how like interested you are in it you know like it's you you seem so fascinated by the the technical uh side of it and by the experimentation and just like the ideas um that you can share with it um now uh, our mutual friend David Yun has uh, he has a he has a podcast where he talks about the philosophy of 
of photography and stuff. And I had him on here and he talked a little bit about um, photography and his love for it. But I'm, I'm curious to hear what your ideas are, like what your, um, I guess, what kind of messages you think can be shared with photography, why maybe humans do it, like why it's a thing and why, um, why you maybe in particular uh, have taken to it so much? It's a loaded question. I, 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 historically, you know, before going to an arts college, my relationship was with photography was, I, I would argue, leaning more on the aesthetic. I didn't really understand the why as to, you know, my shooting, but I loved getting home and seeing that I captured perfectly a moment an emotion in the middle of a, a rock concert. And, and I knew I knew that through a little bit of research that was actually very difficult to accomplish. As soon as you're in lower lighting, the it's so easy for movement to blur. Um, so it's just fascinating. And, and really the, the lighting designers of those concerts were the ones handing me the, the, the beautiful aesthetics, <laughs> lighting wise, right? Like they were the ones adding the greens and the purples and the blues and timing all of that out. Uh, and then those musicians, you know, just raw emotion. They're not thinking they're just performing and they're, they're in their rock and roll outfits sort of thing. And then over, I think over time I've just realized I, I, I like capturing human emotion and and revealing that little snapshot, whatever it is, and um, showing and more on the the human side of things, not the the polished, like okay, put your turn your head to the left and and we'll we'll fix up your hair and makeup and and create this false confidence, but no, like just the real sort of give a real sense of that person. Um, and, and I think my favorite portraits to see are, you know, especially like somebody in their 70s and just all of those wrinkles and those stories on their faces. It does get challenging um, in, the, in the world we live in now because everybody has a, an idea of how they want to represent themselves online. Um, so to get somebody to bring their guard down is a little more challenging. Um, takes a little more walking through and talking through, but uh, I think I roundabout answered your question. I think you did. I think that was great. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way, that capturing of that moment, and especially, you know, when, it, when it's real, right? Like you, you, can, you can feel so much more through that. Um, so... So leading into the end of our interview here, um, I want to talk about the future a little bit. Um, moving, moving forward as in your life and as well as photography, we've really focused on photography for the whole episode um, and that art. Um, moving forward into the future, what are some things that you'd like to... Um, focus on with photography or with other art if there if there's some other practice you're working on this is very timely currently going through a practice of graphic design i am i am 
working uh, through uh, trying to accomplish a degree in graphic design without formally going to school. I'm very fortunate to have been in the, they considered the Bachelor of Design, but majored in photography instead of graphic design. Uh, but through that, made acquaintances that did do the graphic design stream. And, and you know, going back to my, my cousin, Michael, from the, the very beginning of our, our, our conversation, the, the person I um, enjoy the most, or however you phrase that, he uh, did a graphic design degree post doing the photography degree I did uh, in Vancouver. So I'm, I'm life hacking a little bit and, and talking to these people and saying, okay, what, what, uh, what books did they have you reading? What sorts of assignments? What, what are the applications that uh, they took you through or that you are using mostly in your, your professional careers? Uh, yeah, so that's kind of fun, and, and the starting point is going through an obnoxiously large graphic design history book, because I really do feel like, you know, similarly to how, how I studied photography, there's something pretty incredible about um, understanding and respecting the history of something, uh, and I think it takes the work you end up producing and makes it even stronger and, and makes the conversations around it with potential clients or the people a lot stronger. It's not just, I, I put a square on this piece of paper because I thought it looked good, but no, the, the, the square is representing so much more and, and, and this is the story behind it. It's nice to be able to tell a story behind the intentions behind work. Yeah, that's something I can definitely get behind. I mean, everything has that story. Everything has that history. I've had a lot of conversations with people where they're frustrated by something. I said, well, do you know why it's like that? It's like that because, you know, in the 1800s, they did it this way, you know. Um, and, and so it's really interesting when you dive into that history. You can appreciate it more. And you can also help, like you mentioned, your clients or other people also appreciate it more. Um, so this is... This is kind of the last question that I always ask everybody. Um, and and it, it's when you look at your life uh, from the finish line, when, when you're at the very end and you're looking at everything you've done um, up to this point as well as everything you have done by that point, um, when you're looking back, what are the things you're most proud of and what are you most pleased with? Living uh, an empathetic life. I think it's just a really big one, being super empathetic. And, you know, uh, one of my favorite quotes of, uh, within the last year is empathy isn't endorsement. You know, you can empathize without uh, saying it's okay to do what you did. But I, I just think if I lived, I lived a solidly empathetic life and, and just maintained curiosity and um, supported others through that effort. I'm happy. I love that. I really appreciate that. Um, and I, I appreciate you taking the time here today to chat with me. Is there anywhere people can go and see your photography, the work that you do? Basically, every social media tag is Hall's Emporium. 
at Hall's Emporium pretty steadily. Thankfully, nobody else tries to grab that from me when I sign up for things. Um, and I have a website, hallsemporium.ca. Perfect. I'll have all of that in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me today, Jen. Thank you. And thank you for listening, not just to this show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more to the people around you, the people in your life that you just happen to know. Take some time, just five minutes, to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco 